Peace does not begin with presidents and prime ministers. It begins with you and it begins with me. It begins in the heart. And that's what we really stress on this show. Before it can be in the community, before it can be in the country, before it can be in the world, it has to be in our own hearts. And this is Thanksgiving weekend, so there is an awful lot. We want to be thankful to the good Lord in our hearts for what he has given us. So I want to up front say happy Thanksgiving to everybody, and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. But to lead you into that weekend, to get you in the spirit of the moment, uh, we have two of my favorite kind of guests on this show, and we've often had focused missionaries on the show. And we have, again, this time on the show, and this time we're going to, we've often talked about uh, their work on campus, but we're going to talk about their reach beyond the campus when they've gone on mission trips. And the very fact that they go on those mission trips to bring peace to the hearts of, of people who are living maybe below the margins or on the margins or in great poverty, and in the process uh, that we often find, all of us who are doing any kind of uh, mission work or ministry work, find that it brings peace to our own hearts. So let me tell you a little bit, though, about focus again, just to uh, refresh your memory. The Fellowship of Catholic University Students, as they tell us on their website, is a Catholic collegiate outreach whose mission is to share the hope and joy of the gospel with college and university students, inspiring and equipping them for a lifetime of Christ-centered evangelization, discipleship, and friendships in which they lead others to do the same. So why is such an organization needed? Well, just think about these statistics that show it's really shocking that almost 80% of Catholics who leave the faith, do so before the age of 23. And now other statistics show only about 30% of Americans who were raised Catholics are practicing their faith. So what does FOCUS do to counteract those figures? Well, they go on college campuses and encounter God in an intimate relationship through daily prayer, the sacraments, and the scriptures. And they work at building what they call virtuous friendships. By building genuine friendships, they meet students on a deeper level. And they teach others to share Christ. That's hard. You know, it really is. It's not hard once you, you absorb the idea and are filled with the Spirit of Christ. But in a lot of people's minds, even those who have been brought up with faith, they just don't know how to really share Christ. Focused missionaries teach students how to share the gospel. And in turn, these students teach other students how to share the gospel. So, who do we have with us today? We have with us from the University of Maryland, Hannah Dorgonis. She has been five years uh, as a focused missionary. She's been on four international trips Mexico City, Albania, Trinidad, Ecuador, and she's been in Denver as a mission trip called Christ in the City, 
and she will be serving on a trip to Brazil next summer, where I was uh, when they did World Youth Day there in Rio. Uh, she's also going to tell us about backyard missions, and so I'm I'm very interested to hear about all that. And then we have, in Philadelphia, we have Angelo Recaro, who is at Drexel University, and he served on four focus mission trips in Peru and Argentina. So let's get started. I'm going to start with you, Hannah. How did you get involved with FOCUS? I got involved with FOCUS through my university. So I did my undergrad at the University of Vermont and through kind of a crazy series of events. was not Catholic when I started college, but joined a sorority during my freshman year. And my big invited me to go to Bible study with her. And, you know, kind of randomly, but all by the grace of God, I ended up saying yes and just falling in love with a focused Bible study. The next invitation that she made to me actually was to join her on a mission trip in Denver and, and with Christ in the City um, at the end of our sophomore year together. So I really encountered focus through my university and first through Bible study, but then the follow-up to that was through doing a mission trip with focus out to Denver while I was in college. Mm. And, and, oh, you know, we forgot to do Hannah, after you agreed to do it, <laughs> I always find myself frequently stopping right in the middle of the show and saying, oh my goodness, we forgot to pray. And that's that's not a good sign. Uh, so, Hannah, will you, before we go any further about Christ in the city, will you lead us in a prayer? Yes, absolutely. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Come Holy Spirit, Jesus, be with us. Lord, we pray that you would fill our hearts, Jesus, inspire us, Jesus, allow our feet to always walk the path towards heaven to be with you. Lord, we thank you for every day that you've given to us, because we know every day is a gift, and we thank you for all the ways that you've pulled our hearts closer to your most sacred heart. And, and Jesus, we pray for the continuation of this gift, to know you deeper and to know ourselves deeper. And Jesus, we pray to always find an abundance of peace in you and to be with you all the days of our lives. And we pray all of this in your most holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That was lovely, Hannah. And uh, and I want everyone to know that was very spontaneous because she only knew a few <laughs> minutes ago that she was going to just say that prayer. So tell us about Christ in the city. Does that have a particular, sounds like a, a very particular focus when you say Christ in the city? Yes, it's, it's very particular. Um, so Christ in the City is an organization out in Denver that encounters um, the homeless, people experiencing homelessness. And so when we went for mission, um, we were praying with them. So we were praying in front of the Blessed Sacrament about two hours a day, and then we were on the streets and with people encountering homelessness for about three or four hours a day. Wow. One of those days, we did a lunch in the park, and we shared a hot meal with, with our friends on the street that we had made, and just got to know them, got to know their stories, got to share our own, and truly connect on just the human level and, and what it meant to be um, the body of Christ, to be God's church. So it's pretty incredible. Yeah. Were, were they receptive? In general, uh, do you find that people on the streets are receptive to receiving this message? Yes, absolutely. 
yeah, just from my time with them. I spent a couple of weeks serving with them, and then um, my sophomore year inter- mission trip turned into a summer internship the summer after my junior year of college. Um, and so I spent 10 weeks out there serving with Christ the City and, and wow. being with the homeless. Wow. Yeah, it was really incredible. <laughs> what did you, uh, what'd you learn about the homeless oh. that you didn't know before? One of the things that struck me the most, and, and they will tell you as soon as you start serving with them, <laughs> is that especially in Denver, it's very easy to find three hot meals a day but it's really difficult to find someone to say your name. Um, ah. And that's just, it was so striking because, you know, especially on the college campus, like we're just inundated with people trying to talk to each other and, and be around um, right. and be filled with friendships. But yeah, you go out there and I would encounter people that were like, nobody has said my name in three weeks. And the fact that wow. you just remembered it um, wow. was incredible. So yeah. <laughs> what did you find brought these people to the streets? Did were there was it very unusual backgrounds? I mean, you maybe maybe backgrounds you didn't expect to find on the streets? They were unusual in the sense that it was a very wide variety of backgrounds. So typically when you think homeless, you think mental health or addiction, yeah. and in some instances that can be true, but ultimately the leading cause was just a breakdown in a support system. So people that felt like they couldn't go home to their families anymore or that they had nowhere left to turn for a variety of reasons, whether it was a lost job or maybe it was an addiction or a mental health crisis. But often we just encounter people that had left an abusive experience or, yeah, didn't didn't feel like they were able to return home to their families or their support systems that wound up in a homeless situation. Give one example of someone and why they felt they could not go home to their families again. Sure. So one that I encountered was a young woman who was running away from an abusive situation. So this one wasn't with her family, but it was with a boyfriend. And she had run away with her boyfriend, uh, and the situation quickly turned into an abusive situation. And Mm. so she ended up on the streets um, of Denver. And Denver is a very big traveler city, so people are always just passing through. It's easy to get a bus in and out of Mm. Denver from anywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I do believe that she had left another major city and come to Denver in an escape of this abusive situation. And yeah, that's kind of how she had wound up there. But, you know, at that point, like the the ties with her family had already been cut to pursue this relationship. And then when this relationship turned out to be harmful, you know, she didn't feel as though she could go back to her family. And so found no other option than to yeah step out on her own. Wow. Now, how do you help somebody like that? What do you do? Sure. You know, it kind of varies. There's, there's a fine balance, I think, in those situations of it's not up to us, it's not up to the missionary to solve all of the problems of these people. Mm-hmm. If we were to set out into the world, we'd never be able to solve the problem of homelessness with yeah. our own two hands. But what we can do is share the love and share the peace of Christ. And so that was really the biggest source of help that we could be. And the one that kind of fits in all situations is to just encounter people to share with them the message of the gospel, to share with them the true love of Christ for them, and then to invite them into the way that we also are able to find those things. And that's through the sacraments and through prayer and through getting to know Jesus and to know his desire for them. And to be honest, the thing that does the most work in the realm of homelessness, I met a lot of people who were veterans and coming back from you know, serving in the army, they right. found themselves in situations of homelessness, unable to hold jobs. But 
experiencing such tragedies in war, they didn't find themselves worthy to live within housing again. They were like, I, yeah, I'm fine. It'll be fine. I've experienced worse overseas, so I can live homeless here in the United States. And a lot of what we did was just reminding them of the dignity that God had made them for, reminding them of their deep love that God had for them, and that they actually were worthy of a home and of, you know, an apartment or somewhere to just rest their head at night and to restore that dignity. That was the biggest help that we could be, really. Why did they feel because they had shot people or or what was it that made them feel as if they were unworthy? You know, I don't really know. A lot of the hardness that comes with living on the streets entails um, kind of a desire to not go into the specifics of what brought them there. So you kind of just infer what they had been through. But a lot of it was working through things like PTSD or just, yeah, being ashamed of what had happened during their time serving. And yeah, you know, kind of finding themselves in the situation of they've experienced all of these things. And so now they can just live bare bones and they don't they don't need to be worthy of better than that but but they wow. are you know that they are because christ makes them so wow that really shows you the the evils of war isn't it and the need for, <laughs> the need for peace uh when soldiers yeah. come back and feel such shame about what they've been involved in yeah mm-hmm. so you've been to albania now what experience that must have been a very interesting experience because that was a communist country. Albania was wild. Albania was communist until 1994, so very recently. And we were the first focus mission trip there. Um, we went in March of 2018. And I went with a team, and then I took four students from my campus over to Albania at the time. And that mission trip was, it was incredible. It was unlike anything I've ever experienced. And tell me how. <laughs> um well, I think first of all, because Albania, it was one of those countries that just had this eerie feeling about it. You kind of walked into it, and their airport is called Mother Teresa International Airport. Really? So, Yo, yeah, right? Yeah. That's her country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, Catholicism is written in there, but because of communism and because it's so recent, mm-hmm. it's been totally erased from from history, from you know, the culture there. Right. Um, and so you, we stepped onto the ground of the country and we we're like, something's not right here. And there's just this dark cloud of oppression really looming mm. over the country and over the people. Wow. Um, but the, the things that made it really incredible were just getting to share, like, what authentic Christian joy was with these people. Um, they were, they're still, like, from a time where the kids aren't allowed to talk about being Catholic at school because if their teachers find out, like, the parents could be ridiculed for that. So we actually had an experience where we were in a school and we were just talking to the kids about where we were from and what we studied and things like that. And the principal found out that we were the Catholic missionaries there. And he barged into the classroom and he was like, you guys are here. You guys are the Catholics. You must leave my school right now. You cannot be here. And we are like, okay, we will leave. <laughs> um, and so it was it was really crazy. We were never in a moment of, of like physical danger, but just there's this tension in the country still that exists between those who are used to this level of oppression and mm-hmm. those who know the light of Christ and desire to seek it but don't know how. Under those circumstances, how did you get into Albania in the first place and how did you get into that school? <laughs> oh, we were there just, yeah, on a on mission, like, we were there serving with some sisters, but the sisters have friendships with kids, with teachers, things like that. So 
similar to how Focus works on the college campus, how we just build authentic friendships and relationships with students here. People are people all over the world. And so in other countries, we would just build relationships with people um, and our hosts build relationships with families and things like that. And so they kind of invite us into their lives. Yeah, but I'm thinking, you know, getting into a school and the principal didn't even know, must not have known initially you were coming. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure all of the specifics of it, but, but yeah, that is, um, it is pretty wild the way that it happened. But we were there for a whole week, so we also got to lead a whole day long summer camp when the kids were off school for a day. We got to lead Bible studies for a couple of the kids on the day that they were off school. So it was really incredible. Hmm. Well, now uh, we bring Angelo Riccaro into this uh, conversation. Angelo, what brought you into focus? Yeah, hi. So when I was in college at Temple University in Philadelphia, I met focus missionaries uh, my first year at Temple. And I was a freshman that wasn't really wanting to get involved in his Catholic faith. But throughout my time at Temple, I always knew that Something was calling me back into my Catholic faith, and I wasn't ready to pursue or be all in for Jesus until my senior year um, of college, where I encountered another focused missionary, and he invited me into his Bible study. And through that friendship with that missionary, I have said yes to making Jesus the center of my life. And through his witness as a missionary, I found myself designing um, what he wanted to do um, in his life, which was to make disciples of all nations. And through that invitation from that missionary, I have suggested being a focused missionary for the last five years. So that's how I met Focus. Well, now, you said in the first part of your college life, you did had no desire to uh, become involved in your faith. What changed your mind in your senior year? What was it about focus that made you uh, become interested? So in college, most of my time was spent through being involved in the party scene, and I was in the community at the time. And it wasn't until um, my junior summer where I was somehow got involved with another Catholic organization called Life Teen, and I was a summer camp counselor Mm -hmm. for the summer where I, I encountered Jesus in the Eucharist, for the first time in my life. And another counselor shared the gospel with me and how um, we can become like Jesus. And through that invitation, I came back to my campus seeking friendship because that was the first time in my entire life where I was living with other guys who Mm -hmm. were striving for virtue and who were calling each other higher. Um, And I wanted the same thing on my college campus and I remember that focused missionaries were there for my first year mm-hmm. and luckily one of the missionaries I met my freshman year was still there and so I called her up and explained where I was at and next thing you know I was back at the Newman Center and I was meeting the, the new focused missionaries and yeah I started to desire to live a life of virtue after having a summer of encounter and coming back to campus where, yeah, a lot of my friends were still in the party scene. I didn't necessarily wanted to be more involved in that. And the focus missionaries had something to offer me, which was Jesus. Mm-hmm. Oh, now, Angelo, you said on that when you were in the summer, 
encounter, summer camp, you encountered Jesus, I don't know if you said the first time, but you encountered him, I assume, in a more dramatic way in the Eucharist. Now, I'm, you were a Catholic, so I assume you many times had gone to communion. What made Christ so real to you uh, this particular time? Um, I think it was really the other men and women who I was working alongside with. And I grew up Catholic all of my life Mm -hmm. and going to church on Sunday and seeing the priests like come and and say hi to me and my family. Mm -hmm. Um, But I didn't see a lot of other kids wanting to be involved. And I was involved in youth groups at the time. But, um, and we would go to conferences all the time through that. But it wasn't until the other counselors or my, my co-workers were just asking real questions about what I believed and mm-hmm. showing me the truth of the person of Jesus that led me to want to go deeper into my faith. Because I was just living as a normal Catholic that I believe that Sundays was, yeah, like going to Mass on Sundays was like the only thing that I needed to, to mm-hmm. have a relationship with the Lord. But having that personal encounter really changed the way that I, I saw myself and who the person of Jesus is. Well, I guess what I'm trying to get at is something must have happened that made him seem more personal. And, and Well, let, let me ask this question. Before the encounter you're talking about, did you believe that Jesus was, that his real presence was in the Eucharist? Growing up, did you believe that? Yes, I believe that, like, growing up. But at summer camp, we were secluded from the outside world. And mm-hmm. in college, I was living in a lot of sin. And mm-hmm. I guess my eyes and my heart were closed to Jesus. And it wasn't until getting out of that lifestyle in college and into a place of encounter that led me to to have eyes to see Jesus and and ears to hear him and and a heart to want to know him more. Okay, all right. I'm going to ask uh, first you, Angelo, and then Hannah, because I'm very interested in the fact that so few Catholics, apparently even those going to church on a regular basis, a study came up with a shocking statement that only 30% of Americans believe in the real presence of our Lord in the Eucharist. And he couldn't have made it any more clear in Scripture that this indeed was his real presence. Anyway, I want to ask each one of you, have you ever had moments where you felt, and maybe you were in front of the tabernacle, or maybe it was after communion, that our Lord actually spoke to you. Now, I don't mean that he spoke to you the way you hear my voice. I mean that he spoke to, you know, put an idea in your head or a phrase in your head that you definitely knew didn't come from yourself. Angelo, you can answer first, and we don't have a whole lot of time, so. (laughs) Yeah, um, yeah, I I remember um, in when I was coming back to my faith um, and being taught how to pray and how to have a living relationship with Jesus, that Mm -hmm. through my consistent practice of adoration, that there were moments of, of, and and I don't know, like of of time in prayer, um, Mm -hmm. that the Lord would just like speak like 
words to me, and and those words like help me want to know Jesus more. Can you give me? I'm I'm being a little nosy here, <laughs> Angelo, <laughs> but can can you give me a, a specific sentence that he might have said, or a couple of words? Uh, yeah, um, I think one that comes to mind is when I said yes to being a missionary, mm-hmm. um, and in prayer, I was asking Lord, hey, Lord, like, I, I want to be a missionary, like, let me know, like, how to do it, or, or when, when are you going to call me? Mm-hmm. And I remember the Lord specifically say, from Matthew fourteen twenty eight, uh, he says, like, bid me to come out into the water, and it's a line that St. Peter mm-hmm. says, and in my prayer, I heard the Lord, like, reaching his hand out, and I was being like Peter, like stubborn, like saying, Jesus, like, let me know, like, like, I want to be with you. And in prayer, I heard those words. And immediately in my prayer, uh, the Lord was asking me to just take one step out into the water. Right. That sounds definitely like him. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Hannah, I'm uh, sorry. We've only got about 40 seconds left. So you're going to have to make the Lord's a short sentence. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah, the the Lord has definitely, I've definitely heard familiar with the voice of the Lord. I think the one that comes to mind for me was um, pretty shortly after having a conversion, kind of trying to figure out, okay, what does it mean to actually be a Catholic? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ himself? And just hearing him also speak the words to me of, Hannah, I am calling you to be my hands and feet. And not really knowing what this meant, but knowing that, he would present a need to me and and give me the opportunity to fill that need um, in the way that he desired. And so that was very clear and something that guided me a lot as I continued to serve him was just, Lord, how do you need me to be your hands and feet on this earth um, and allow him to provide the way for that? Mm-hmm. So that was a very clear call to me from him. Oh, wow. I wish we had more time because uh, you're both wonderful. And uh, it's, an ex- it's something we should all explore more because he certainly does talk to us in the Eucharist. Um, so I want to thank Hannah Dragonis and Angelo Rocaro, both wonderful focus missionaries who have given a great part of their lives to the Lord and indeed stepped out into the deep as he called. I'm Peggy Stanton. This has been A Place of Peace. Join us next week.